You're listening to the Hard Hedge, UVA's only independent basketball podcast hosted by two guys, one of whom happens to be a fake coach. Fake coach. Get up out your seat, you can have my drink, let me see you dance. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Pittman and Phony Bennett. When the sun falls, the sun falls, then the moonlights, the moonlights, might be a hell of a night. Go, go, go. Welcome, Virginia fans, to another edition of the Hard Hedge podcast we are thrilled to have you with us this evening you can find me at wahoo basketball on twitter you can find him at if tony tweeted brother i hope you're doing well is that uh is that pain of defeat still in your gut from last night no man i think i'm over it 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 was a winnable game but miami defended well they shot lights out from three and, and frankly there's a good they're a good team so there's no shame in losing to them i'm more concerned about isaiah We'll find out more about his injury this week, uh, hopefully. Uh, but we'll see. And I'm, I'm just, I'm looking forward to Saturday. It's, it's gonna be, it's gonna be huge. Uh, UNC and College Game Day. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to what we're doing right now um, because of tonight's special guest. He's making a return appearance to the Hard Hedge. He's well known to the Who's as the former head coach of Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University. And he's now on ESPN, where among other things, he appears on College Game Day. Uh, he'll be in Charlottesville this Saturday, but tonight he's here with us. We're honored to have Seth Greenberg back on the show. Thanks for rejoining us, Coach. Guys, my pleasure. I got a question. Hard hedge. Why would it be the big to big double or like the pack line? I mean, how did he come up with the hard hedge? Because that to us symbolizes the effort that the guys have to give to to play in Tony's system. You know, uh, yeah, a lot of teams double and and all, but but that that hard hedge where those guys have to sprint up, hedge, and and recover. Uh, that you know, there's there's not a lot of guys that can do that successfully, and and, and we've seen that in some of our struggles. So, uh, to to me, that's why we went with it. I love it. I love it. I was just wondering. Inquiring <laughs> minds want to know. You know, let's let's just talk a little bit, if you don't mind. I know you were in the studio last night for the for the Miami game. Um, you know, it, that one stung a little bit. Uh, what did you feel like? Kind of uh, caused Virginia to to lose that game. Was there anything that stood out to you that that Miami was effective at? Uh, there are a couple things. One, uh, I think when you have a, a bye week a little bit, you, sometimes you lose your edge. And I thought Virginia a little bit lost their edge defensively. Uh, their defensive transition wasn't as good as it's been first half. I think they gave up eight points and had other opportunities, actually, Miami, to get out in transition. Uh, I thought that offensively, you know, we, we, let's say, we know what Virginia is, especially when they're running over blocker. But I thought excluding Malcolm, no one was really cutting as hard as they, as they needed to cut to put pressure on the defense. Uh, I thought London especially was a, a little bit passive uh, and, and didn't finish. And then Miami's a very good team, and, and they, uh, they already got, you know, made some big shots. I mean, they, you know, a big part of, the, of what, what Virginia does defensively is shoot contested shots. Well, they made some contested shots. So it was a, it was a hard play game on the road against a good team, a well-coached team, that, you know, two teams that mirror each other. Both teams play back line. Both teams are disciplined. Miami got some more easy baskets. Uh, and I just thought that Virginia did not seem early in the game to have the edge they need to have when they're really good. Yeah, have you, have you seen in your experience uh, coming out of those one-game, uh, one-week layoffs? I saw that in uh... – Virginia has actually lost four of those games over the last three years in ACC play. And, you know, Virginia hasn't lost so many games in ACC play. So there seems to be a little bit of a theme to this uh, coming off of that one-week break. Yeah, you know, you've got to raise your temperature. And, and game competition is so different. And, uh, 
you, you want to give your team time off because you need that rest. You want to keep them fresh mentally, physically, emotionally, and competitive, but you also sometimes can lose that competitive edge. Uh, I think it's hard, especially the way they play, uh, to have too much time off because a lot of it, everything is to do with trust. Everything has to do with rhythm in the offense. Everything has to do with timing. And uh, it just seemed like they were off a little bit. And losing Isaiah at the end, absolutely is huge. That's a big loss because he's starting to do a lot of things that, you know, Mitchell did and 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 even in a different way, Darian Atkins did in terms of being he's always in the right place. And so I had a conversation with Bill Self last week and about his team and he was talking about uh uh led uh his front court. He said he's playing his front court upperclassmen because you know what? They're always in the right place. Uh offensively, defensively. The ball doesn't get stuck. They're they're at help, they're in uh help early. Landon Lucas knows what they're doing, why they're doing it, when to do it. And it seems like to me Wilkins is starting to get and understand that role for Virginia. Yeah, he's yep. definitely a very heady player. I mean, he, he's, yeah, he's anticipating uh, when he has to help. I, I've not seen many, many guys on that side of the court pick up the defense this early in his career like he has. Yeah, and that's, you know, again, Tony's such a good teacher. Repetition is so important, but uh, you know, it's it's hard. There's one thing to do in the drill and one thing to what I call sight it. You know, it's almost like, uh, you know, a defensive back in football that, you know, it takes a defensive team time to settle in. But the great defensive players sight plays. They see plays develop and react. And uh, Isaiah seems like he's gaining that understanding and sighting plays and doing a really good job of that. Yeah, I think that's where Evan Nolte has actually improved. I mean, his uh, defense was the big knock on him a couple years ago. And he has been putting in such good minutes now. Of course, he was hurt last night. That's another question mark for us. But, you know, he finally seems to, you know, have uh, more more an intuitive uh, uh, playing style. He knows where he's supposed to be. He doesn't have to think about it. He can just be there. And, you know, as an upperclassman, he needs to be that, that way. I mean, uh, you know, upperclassmen in system programs uh, need to really have high basketball IQ so they can coach the freshmen. And, uh, you know, those are the guys that need to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. You know, you expect that from every bright kid who's been in the program and uh, knows exactly what coach wants from them. Yeah, coach, would you say that, um, that you know, I agreed with you earlier in the, in the ACC schedule when you, when you said that, that Virginia's lack of, uh, of, a, of a four guy that can guard like Darian Atkins and Akil Mitchell was really starting to show itself a little bit when we struggled. Would you say that that emergence of Isaiah Wilkins has been the key thing to kind of turn this program back into a you know national type contender that it is? Has there been anything else that you've noticed that kind of um, you know made this team turn around a little bit from those early ACC schedule struggles? I think a couple of things. I think early on they were scored so easy they lost their identity for a couple of weeks of you know who we are and how we win. And uh, I think they got back to their identity of knowing who they are. Uh, I think that was important. I think that the, the kind of the, the wing by committee, you know, Shyak, Thompson, you know, uh, you know, even Hall, I mean, the wing by committee, I think, has been really good. And Tony's done a great job of fitting that right wing guy in at the right time, in the right matchup to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. So I think that's been a really positive thing for Virginia, that's you know typical of Tony finding you know the right put the, the, the round peg in the round hole at the right you know at the right time. 
Well, let's look ahead to uh, this weekend. You're going to be in Charlottesville. I think you guys had a, a good time uh, last time. What stands out to you about Virginia's matchup against UNC? Well, I think you know UNC how they're going to guard Bryce Johnson. We know they're going to big the big double them, but they got to, they can't allow them to establish. They've got to do a good job in transition, taking them out of transition, taking them out of the glass. Now, they did not rebound the ball all that well at times yesterday against Miami, and I'm sure that's a concern. I'm sure that'll be addressed, but. You know, right now, the pack line really fits defensively to play Carolina because they're not shooting the ball very, at a very high percentage. Uh, but they need to defend the post early. They need to double the post and get out of Bryce's hands. But when you do that, you obviously you're in rotation. So those guards and those wing guys have got to cut bigs out, and that's going to be the challenge. You know, can you double the post, get it out, rotate back, and still cut people out off the glass? That, that, that I think that's the biggest challenge for for Virginia in this game. Yeah, they actually have handled the big-to-big double relatively well the last couple times we played them, and, and you're going to be going against some veteran guys, um, you know, Saturday. So I'm very curious to see how that shakes out. But as you mentioned, uh, you know, I think the one struggle with Isaiah still, he, he did have a, a pretty strong rebounding game a couple couple games ago. But since we've had him at the four, we have not been a very good rebounding team uh I, I'm, I'm a little worried about how their kind of just dominance and length inside could give us some some trouble but at the same time i think we're a lot more talented at the wing and hopefully that'll be able to kind of you know cancel each other out a little bit and that big going to have to guard your people out on the perimeter too and have to guard your guys in screening situations and that puts pressure on them as well uh, you know, and, and you know, Carolina in there, you know, Justin Jackson's a good player. It depends on which Justin Jackson shows up. I think that's always the question with him. Uh, he's so athletic. He can run. He can get to the glass. That'll be an interesting matchup. You know, Malcolm's just playing so much better right now than Marcus Page. That's the reality. You know, Barry's played well. and They were terrific against Miami the other day. But, uh, you know, every game has its own identity and its own personality. Obviously, JPJ, Virginia's a different team than they would say be at Miami. Uh, you know, they, the tempo of the game is going to be important. Uh, I think that's that's very, very important. You know, Virginia not allowing anything easy. Uh, and I'm sure, like I said, that, 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 that defensive transition is so important. And running good offense is so important against Carolina because, uh, you know, like, yes, there was an example. I saw some uncharacteristic turnovers in that game. Malcolm had one at the beginning of the second half where he just got picked. Uh, that, that doesn't happen a lot to uh, Tony's teams, and for sure not to Malcolm. Yeah, let's, uh, let me ask you about Malcolm real quick, um, because he, uh, I, he's just on another, another level right now. Um, just do you, if you had to vote for AC Player of the Year right now, who are you, who are you voting for? And I'm not looking for the homer pick here. I'm, I'm curious on, on where you would lean. I, I, think, I think right now it would be Bryce and, 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 and Malcolm, depending on how things finish up. I mean, that ball has got to be discussion just because he's played so well out of the big numbers, but he's, you know, Every, every team has a lead scorer. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Bryce, Bryce Johnson's been very consistent, and Malcolm's been obviously tremendously consistent. What do you think about his NBA prospects as, as all these mock drafts keep coming out and not including Malcolm? As, as you're, you know, anybody you've talked to, how, do you get a, the feel that, that he's going to get drafted or he has a chance to be a solid NBA player? I think he's going to make a team. Uh, I think he can guard. He's longer than people realize. He's shooting it better. He maybe doesn't shoot it all the way to that three-point line. I think he's physical. Uh, you know, he understands how to get angles. 
Uh, it's all about, you know, the right organization. Like I could see him, you know, in the Spurs and the Hawks or, you know, organizations that are obviously relying on character and toughness. And uh, I just, I just think he's one of those guys that's going to make a roster. Coach, you watched uh, the game last night, sw- switching up what player we're talking about. Uh, Anthony Gill really seemed to struggle inside last night. Put on your coaching hat and, and tell me what, what you work on with him in practice. You know, he struggled with the length of Tony Jacuri, uh, and that's going to be an issue in this game unless he gets matched up with Kennedy Meeks. I think if he gets matched up with Kennedy Meeks, uh, that's, a, that's a plus for Virginia because I think he can use his quickness against Meeks. I think he can get angles, and he can still go over him. Uh, Bryce Johnson would be a different story because I think he has that left that can kind of you know, take, you know wall off and take away angles. Uh, you know, I think that I think that the better screens that Anthony Gill sets, the harder those other guys come off those screens, the more he'll get those little pocket passes. Uh, I think that he's settling to fade a little bit rather than just collecting himself, closing off, and, and attacking the basket. Uh, so I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see you know who Tony plays. Does he play Toby more? Does he play you know, the big lineup more, or does he, you know, keep Anthony at, at, at the five? You know, playing him at the five is an advantage to play against Meeks, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, well, it, it, it's been immediate, very clear to me over the last six or seven games that if, if a larger body is on Anthony Gill, he, he struggles. He's great at getting, you know, uh, he, uh, garbage points, and, and obviously if he's dunking, he's great. But if he has to actually initiate offense against a guy that's longer than him, He's had a lot of trouble finishing, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm wondering uh, against that lineup on Saturday, you know, how he's going to do. He's got to at least find a way to get to the line, and he's not even doing that over the last seven or eight games. So, um, yeah, that's a bit, He's got to be productive. I mean, they, 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 you talk about moving forward. They can't move forward without Anthony Gill being productive or one of the other big guys being more consistent. I mean, think about yeah. this: when you guys were feel today, if Toby instead of putting the ball on the ground, just closed off, scored it, and you got to stop. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we thought about a, that. Yeah, there's a fine line between winning and losing. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that they need more guys to contribute. They need more guys to be a little bit more aggressive offensively uh, because you can't, you can't put just so much pressure on Malcolm. Yeah, I wish London were looking for a shot more. I mean, you know, their their games where he just doesn't shoot it that much. And, and I don't know how many shots he took in the first half last night. It wasn't many. His first... Uh, Couple looked pretty bad, and uh, yeah, he didn't really get that going until the second half. I think. Yeah, that was one of our points. I thought he needed to be more aggressive, and that's the same thing. Like they run that flare screen action for him. He's got to catch it and not shoot. At least to take that ball screen and be more aggressive and attack a little bit. And, uh, and, that, and that'll be interesting. He's good enough to do that. I think the confidence is a big thing with with London in terms of he can see one going early. He seems to be more aggressive. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so, it, I guess you're not allowed to give us any uh, any predictions on on Saturday. No, I gotta save. That. I gotta save that for Saturday. I gotta save. <laughs> you gotta save something for the I, show. That, that's that's precious stuff right there, guys. That's precious okay. stuff. I mean, I don't. I don't want to. You know, I don't want Vegas to go crazy on my prediction. You know, <laughs> Co- Coach, I, I do have to say I really appreciate you calling Lenardi out last night on uh, his hour by hour changes uh, to his bracket predictions. That that was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, Joe's a great guy, but it, you know, it's, you know, I, like the one and two seeds, that's going to play out by people playing games. I, I, to me, I'm more interested in maybe because I've lived in the bubble for 48 months. I'm more <laughs> interested in the bottom of the bubble than the top of the bubble right now. We know Virginia's going to be one or two or three seed or whatever it's going to be, Carolina and Kansas and Oklahoma. Uh, 
I think it's more interesting to see the teams that, you know, have to play the way in who they're playing and how they get quality wins. And this year is going to be different. You know, is it going to be quality wins or bad losses that's going to, you know, get you in or keep you out? Because the, you know, the bubble is huge this year. Are we going to see a 16 seed win this year? No. Oh. No. Not happening. Not happening. Not happening. But, uh, and we're really excited about it. Hopefully we'll get a great turnout again at, at, at JPJ. And we're really excited about coming in there. And, you know, we'll get some good bagels. We'll go to the Aberdeen Barn. Life will be good. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we really appreciate you coming back on, Coach. I, I know you've got a busy schedule, but we, we thank you for making time for us. And uh, I'll actually be there on, on Saturday. I, I get to be Oh, you got a ticket finally. There yeah, you well, go. I became a season ticket holder this year. I, I was like, you know, there's no way I'm getting cut out. Uh, so uh, There you uh, go. You know, maybe I'll be able to. I just, I, I, I just keep those guys that try to kill me all the time. I'm such a nice guy to you guys. And you've got a couple of you fools that. You know, take a couple, you know, cheap shots. I mean, uh, you know, Mark Titus said Virginia fans are the most sensitive fans uh, out there, and and I believe him. And, and you know, I think a lot of people really overreacted to you calling uh, Virginia fans arrogant. You know, it, they they just kind of demonstrated that that sensitivity. But uh, uh, hey, we're on your side, Coach. Cut us a break. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, guys. All right, Bye. thanks for coming thanks. on. And that was Seth Greenberg, and and boy, that's just outstanding stuff from Seth. We're Truly humbled that he'll take the time and join our little program. Uh, you know, just just love having him on. Uh, let's go ahead and bring in the roundtable uh, to move this discussion forward. We have uh, our main man, um, Charlie Sawwasser, with us at University Ball. Charlie, how you doing tonight, sir? Doing well, guys. Trying to just keep it keep it calm, keep it level. Amen. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll dive into some of that here in a minute and with us as always is our uh, good buddy daniel o'neill at embrace the pace daniel how you doing sir doing well doing well glad to be back we missed you bud glad to have you back on so let's dive right in we, we talked about the miami game a little bit with seth but i definitely wanted to get back into it uh with you guys you know i'll start with you daniel where where do you feel like things uh i i guess went wrong i mean look we were always in the game but uh, what what stood out to you as potentially a, a, an indication of of that game uh, not falling our way? Um, I, th- I think it wasn't. I don't know if I can think of any one particular thing. I think it was just we weren't quite as as sharp overall. Um, I think maybe some shots that we typically hit, um, even some good looks we get, like a, like a good in rhythm three from London or a nice elbow jumper from Isaiah. Shots that that seem like they would usually go in um, when those didn't drop like they usually did. I think that was a little concerning, but um, I think overall, I think I think there's no real need to overreact or anything. I think it's that's that's that might be the toughest game we play all year um, in terms of facing a talented, desperate team who just got embarrassed. So um, they haven't lost a home game in ACC play. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really, I mean, there are no moral victories, and it wasn't a moral, moral victory, but I'm not really, nothing really changes in terms of how I how I view this team and, and where I think we can go in the next couple of weeks and months. Yeah, yeah I'm not Charles, as, Go ahead. Um, I'm not as broken up about it as I was about the Duke game, uh, frankly. I mean, first, I actually think Miami's better than Duke, and it, it just, I, I think we got beat a, a lot of different ways, and... Uh, the the one thing that stood out to me, and I'm trying to find the box score for the game, it didn't seem like we had that many options on offense. Um, 
And we, especially with AG struggling, uh, we, we needed at least one more person to step up and be able to score. And we just, we couldn't find that guy. Yeah. Let's dive into AG a little bit because I've, um, and Charlie, you can uh, let me bump my gums for a minute and you can chime in on your thoughts on this. Cause I know you've looked at a lot of it. I think, you know, we have a we have a group text message. These guys that are on this uh, podcast right now understand that I, I've been a little frustrated with with Gill's finishing over, over the last stretch of games. And then when I really looked into it, it's it's pretty obvious what's going on. I mean, the, the bottom line is Anthony is having a lot of trouble finish finishing against guys that have a lot of size and strength on him. Um, Anthony moved over, it, it, you know, is essentially playing as a five man. The ninety percent of the minutes that he's playing, Isaiah started at, is starting at the four. He is going in, in league play against guys that are bigger. Yeah, maybe not necessarily stronger, but certainly bigger and have more length. And ever since that, I mean, if you look at the last six or seven games and you look at the defenders that he's been going against, uh, he's giving up size. I mean, Anthony Gill is, is listed at 6'8". That realistically, he's not 6'8". Uh, and, and he's having a lot of trouble finishing against those bigger, stronger bodies. Uh, they're, they're forcing him to, to really try to earn uh you know even more draw contact he, he's anticipating contact before it gets there he, he's not getting to the free throw line um because these guys aren't having to jump into him to defend him uh so he's not getting into the free, to the free throw line a, as much as we're used to seeing him over this last stretch of games and uh, as much as i wanted to kind of say that um uh, even in the text to you guys i was kind of saying that that there must be some kind of mental thing going on with him right now i think you know i think it's just the fact that he's he's going against bigger stronger bodies uh than he was before he's last season he he played the majority of his minutes at the four and charlie what do you think about that i think you hit the nail on the head i mean i think anthony gill is i mean for all the dunks he's thrown down and all the excitement he's brought he's not an a-plus athlete Like, he's not going to jump out of the gym. He doesn't have tremendous foot speed. Like, it's not, he's going to have to go elsewhere into, like, a little Kevin McHale bag of tricks if he's going to score on some of these guys. And defenders, we saw Tanya Jakiri do it, and we saw Plumlee do it in the Duke game. Guys are giving him a couple steps off of where he's catching the ball, and they're daring him to just pop a little jump shot. And he's not used to that. Like, that's not a shot he's taken with any consistency or really at all since he arrived in Charlottesville. That's just, that's not what the staff has been telling him to focus on. That's not what he's been. He hasn't, that game speed jumper has rust on it for AG. And so he's still, he's going into his move. He's spinning into contact. Guys are going straight up and he's just, he's not, like you said, he's not able to finish over them. I mean, he's scoring nine points a game and shooting 40% in February. And we need, Anthony, I mean, like Coney said, to get a second scorer, we need Anthony scoring between probably 14 and 18 points a game if we're going to make a run. And right now, he's just, he's not comfortable. And yeah, he, it's, up, more, it's up to the staff to figure out a way to get him playing comfortable basketball again. Yeah, he's got to be more than a garbage bucket guy, which he's still cleaning up the glass. You know, well, his re- rebounding numbers are down as well, but he's cleaning up some offensive, you know, rebounding stuff. And he's, he's still getting, he's, you know, he's dunking a lot off of great passes from the guards and whatnot. But when it comes to just here, you know, here's, here's the ball, Anthony. Now you're in a one-on-one situation, which used to be just a tremendous advantage. When it, whenever Anthony Gill got that, got the ball in that position, you know, I was like, okay, he's going to get a good look at the rim or he's going to get to the free throw line. 
And Seth Greenberg said just a few minutes ago in that segment that we really need that out of the post. A lot of the, um, you know, when you watch the first half of that game against Miami last night, you know, the offense looked bad. We were taking a lot of, of, of perimeter shots that weren't falling, some of them quite ugly. And, you know, sometimes in those situations, you look to your experienced big men to just produce for you a little bit offensively. And I I think we're going to need that going forward. And, you know, Daniel, I'll let you chime in on this because I'm sure you're, uh, you know, you have some insights here as well. But uh, for this offense to really flow the way that it's designed to flow, we have to have a little bit of that action. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And I think, um, I mean, just looking at the stats now, and and Charlie sort of highlighted this, but it really has been a rough stretch for AG um, specifically. And, I mean, and just looking at the teams it's been against, it's kind of what you said, just, a lot of that has to do with this, the matchups. Um, NC State, Miami, those are some bigger front courts, and that explains a lot of, of why he hasn't really produced the way he has all year. And, and even even just a few weeks ago, um, really, I think before we... It's kind of funny that, that this stretch we've been on where we've played a really good, um, what is it, eight games or so, nine games, uh, really has... has while we've done very well, AG really hasn't been a, a huge part of that. Now he, in some of those games, he's he's been he's been fine, but he really has has sort of dipped to um, sort of he he was really our best player for a large chunk of um, non conference play and even early into ACC play. So, but I think I mean in, in terms of the offense getting going going into March, um, I would even say the bigger key is going to be um, just getting getting London going. I think. That's that's something um, that we've had this year that we haven't really in the past is just that guy that will just absolutely drop daggers on teams um, to the yep. point where they just can't they can't do anything about it. Um, we've really never had that element on a team in a while. We've been more of just getting good looks and playing team basketball and things. But but the the, the edge that London has shown um, to his game this year, I think is what kind of excites me about our potential to, to do things in March. Cause I mean, you look at teams that advance late in March um, and you, I mean, the first one that comes to mind obviously is Duke from last year and, and that's what Tyus Jones did. And that's what Quinn cook and all those guys um, you just can't, you can't have an answer to that. So I think London, um, while he has been a little inconsistent lately, um, I think that's still in his game. And I think um, that's, that's something I'm looking forward to, but I, I would like to see him sort of, make sure we avoid that, make sure that inconsistency doesn't become a slump or anything like that and make sure he gets back on track. Yeah, I thought he was a little, I, I, out of all the guys to kind of, uh, I don't know how 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 you, how you they responded out of the break, I kind of thought London just overall, just from, from every aspect, was just a little slow to get into that game uh, last night. I'm talking, you know, much more than just a couple of his jump shots that didn't look, too good i'm not i'm not worried about that just you know all in all i was i was you know kind of waiting for him to put the you know his foot on the pedal a little bit more uh phony let me bring you in on malcolm brogdon i I think we got to talk about his performance last night and just over these last couple weeks now we on this podcast you know we've uh daniel excluded uh have you know, not not question, but you know we're a little concerned about his shot selection at times, especially early in the ACC schedule. He has elevated his play to a level that that I'm not sure many Virginia players have before him over the last 
I two and a half weeks or so. Uh, yeah. Where do you think he ranks uh, right now at all time greats in Virginia history? And um, where, you know, have you seen kind of an emergence like this that you've seen out of Malcolm? Wow. Um, okay. So <laughs> now, yeah, if I try to make a list, I, I'm bound to forget somebody good, but I, I definitely top 10. I mean, the, the way he's been able to take over games and, and really be that guy that I, I, and I think we talked about that. He wants to be that guy, right? And when, when the game's on the line and, and you need someone to step up, he's shown before he wants to be that guy, but he hasn't always been able to do so. And I think he's, he's found that, that gear and, He's playing so smartly right now. Uh, is really his shot selection is really good. He took that 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 last three last night, and again that that wasn't a shot, but he was kind of put in that position, and and um, I felt bad for him. I, I you know wish we could have gotten him a better look, but yeah, you, you know what's funny? Let me chime in real quick there. As much as as much as we've kind of uh, you know given him hell a little bit about his shot selection at times, it's funny like Twitter blew up last night when he took that shot like freaking out about how bad like that was the least of my concerns right there right. i'm like you know he he i was wish a bad shot. i mean it was a bad shot it um. was a bad shot i i wish he would have taken it right off the catch even when it was a little closer guarded i think he would have elevated and made the shot but the bottom line is guys he his shot selection has been incredible that all night he took smart shots like that one he he what was originally there for him wasn't there so he 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 took what he what he had and it was it wasn't a great shot but i i was not going to hold malcolm to the fire for anything i thought he was unbelievable oh yeah definitely i mean i I, i've been critical of his shot selection for a couple years and i i didn't hold that against him last night i mean i felt like uh he he did what he had to do it wasn't good but it's kind of like the the way folks are, are getting on toby like i think you know on that that last play toby was uh most likely fouled but you can't bring the ball down and and he's been doing it forever that's yeah like, yeah and and that's, that's that's what people need to to be complaining about if you're going to complain about that play i mean he, he got he got his arm hit when he you know took the shot i'm not surprised that he missed it but he, it shouldn't have uh it should have already been in uh so an interesting thing i forget where i saw it online but um someone was saying that i mean and, and rightfully so toby gets when whenever something like that happens Let's ignore the whole foul aspect of it, but um, I mean, Toby had a bunny he missed earlier on that, that got me frustrated, but whenever that happens with Toby, people go absolutely nuts, whereas AG's little struggles to the mainstream fan uh, finishing down low has, are largely um, more ignored to some degree. Um, well, I think people, is, people are frustrated with four years of Toby struggling to finish those. Yeah, and that's, and that's, and that's fair. Recent thing. And that's fair, but I think I think something could be said that uh, I don't know if there's there's really good data on this or good stats on it, but I would, wouldn't be surprised if Toby and Gill's at the rim percentages were identical, and maybe Toby's even better because um, at least lately. Um, yeah, I mean, I think AG has more usage. When I'm looking at last night's box score, Toby was two of five from the floor. AG was three of nine. Uh, so I guess Toby had a slightly better shooting percentage. And the one thing, and the one thing was, I mean, I'm on hoop math right now, and Toby's hitting 73% at the rim this season, and AG's at 66. Okay, there you go. Right, that's that man. That's that's just full circle, just tying. Yeah, <laughs> tying no, that's that, that's blindly yeah. assuming the the data has my back, but. <laughs> right. 
Um, but but it is funny. One one more point about that. Um, Ag weirdly misses like the the bunniest of bunnies sometimes. Whereas some of Toby's misses will be like you you'd like for him to finish that, and he should finish. But Ag some of them will just be like, come on, it's it's just a little righty hook or something that's right at the rim. I don't know how you you really miss that, but I don't know. I, I'm it's really hard to criticize someone who's had such a good career um, and who's still. I mean. I think he's going to finish strong in the stretch too. Well, I think Toby and Nolte for for some reason. Well, I mean, you can you can point to the reasons certainly, but among fans, they're the ones that that are going to be the uh, the ones that the fans like to yell at the most. Well, um, I, mean, I, I get it though. Like Toby has made some like there have been some tantalizing runs where he'll go off and get ten and twelve and a half, and you'll see a big guy that can shoot from fifteen to twenty in his freshman year and early into his sophomore year, he showed a handful of post moves and like you see this seven footer and you, you just expect more. It's the curse of being that size. Oh yeah. You can be so frustrating because you just don't know what you're going to get, uh, you know, night in and, and night out. But man, when he's on, I mean, he's, he's one of the best in the league. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Daniel. Yeah. And this is something I've been, I've been wanting to say for a while and it's kind of hard to fit in a tweet, but I, I completely understand the whole, um, not quite living up to our potential and not fully developing into the player we thought he might be early on, which, which obviously is, is fair and everything, but where, where would we be without him? Like he's, he's played well in some very big games. He's been like, if you, if you just take out those expectations and everything, he's been like a really, really solid bench player for four years and like a big time contributor. So I think he's, we need to keep keep things in perspective. He's been a very important player for us. And he's yeah. very good. He's very good at the things he does that don't get that people just don't seem to notice because they're busy looking at him leaving layups on the rim. Like yeah. by the numbers, he's been a really good rebounder on both backboards. He's pretty good at going up vertically and contesting shots. He's just like, I mean, the things he does around the basket, really on both sides, kind of go unnoticed because people focus on his offense. Yeah, Monday. guys, that's why we pay you the big bucks. That, that those are great points. Uh, you know, he has been a very solid contributor for the program. People are always going to judge you based off potential. And one thing about those two guys, Nolte and and Toby, they were electric their first years. I mean, th- these were guys that came in with utmost confidence. Mike Toby got the ball as a freshman. I don't care if he was on the moon; he squared up and took the shot. That that guy left a long time ago. Sometime in the summer after that year. Uh, he he lost that confidence. Evan Nolte comes in, hits 15 or so clutch shots late in games, hits 50-some three-pointers, or no, I think 44. Y'all can fact-check me, but I think that's right. His freshman year, uh, you know, Brogdon's at like 57 on this season. I mean, so it's, it's when they come in as freshmen and they come in with the confidence those guys have, it's really perplexing as a fan to understand why and how you lose confidence as you get older. But you got, I think at least Daniel, I know you're a golfer, you know, uh, that stuff can come and go in a millisecond. And the bottom line is it's some guys are going to develop and some guys are just going to come in confident and, and, and regress a little bit, no matter how much coaching is involved. It's just going to happen sometimes. Man, how much different could last night have been if uh, Nolte had been available? I, I think he could have helped last night. I think he absolutely could have helped last night. I mean, especially uh, when Zay went out. Yep, yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, 
let's talk about about that for a second. Um, first of all, as of the recording of this, has there been any update other than Isaiah tweeting out that he's feeling better? And what the heck happens if we play without him on Saturday? I listened to the radio show tonight until it started cutting out, and uh, CTV addressed that. And basically, he said he's day to day. He's going through the protocol, so there's daily tests right now. And uh, he didn't, you know. He said we, you know, it'd be nice to have him back sooner, but he's not going to come back in, until it's safe for him to come back. And so he really didn't tip his hand at all in, in, in that answer. But I mean, you know, especially with a head injury, you know, I just want the the kids head to heal. I mean, whatever has to yeah. do, you you don't want to put them in danger uh, by bringing them back too soon. I do think that if I think he'll play on Saturday, um, I think that if it was something serious to the point where I don't know, I don't think I don't think it's something that'll come down to the wire. I think it'll be pretty clear either way that either he's not going to play, and I think we'd hear about it. I don't think Tony wouldn't. He's not big into like games and shit and everything. I think we we would we would hear if if it is like a bad concussion or something like that, and and he is going to miss a game. Um, but since if we don't hear anything in the next day or so, I'm going to assume he's going to play um, and we'll need him because matchup wise, it'd be an absolute nightmare without him. Um, yeah. And just, just in general, he's just such an important piece of our team right now. And we need, we need him out there. Yeah. I feel like I should keep pencil and paper handy when he's playing to keep note of like all the stuff that doesn't make the box score. Like he had a great tip out, uh, you know, of a rebound in, in the last game offensive uh, board. Yeah. That's not going to show up anywhere. Uh, but I mean, he's just contributing in, in all these little things. Yeah, let's face it. I mean, uh, we we touched on it briefly with Seth, but Isaiah's emergence uh, as that four guy in the lineup is what turned you know this uh, our our early season or early ACC season struggles around. Uh, he got a little bit more comfortable, much more comfortable def- defensively. Uh, and he just figured out how to be in the right spot at the right time on both sides of the ball. He's just such a crafty, um, you know, knacky guy. Um, so if we don't have him, you're going to see more of Toby, I guess, and, and maybe Gillsborn in his natural position. But uh, with the way that North Carolina likes to move, uh, we're going to be in a little bit of trouble without him. And let, let's dive a little bit more into UNC, Charlie. I know that uh, you probably haven't worked on your preview yet and broken them down um too much but just uh give us the high level uh overview on on what you think we're gonna have to do to beat north carolina uh, even at home they can play half court i mean that's i always i'm not a big fan of roy williams i i mean even though north carolina has beaten us in recent years even i feel like we just there's none of that danger i get when we go against like a mike shashevsky like a guy i feel like is always going to be rolling something out tactically to counter what we're doing i feel like roy just likes to get the game going get it up tempo and try to get his athletes out ahead of yours and i think yeah we have to keep them in the half court and we have to once we get them there we have to to try to make them even though they've been heating up a little bit recently we need to try to make them a three-point shooting team because that's been really inconsistent for them and in fact they are actually last in the acc in conference games so we can, yeah, pencil, that, so we can pencil them in for 50 percent from the line yeah because <laughs> exactly what happened when i said miami didn't have a shooter like 
they went nuts. And I mean, Marcus Page is always there. And even though he hasn't been hitting this year, you know, he has the potential to. But I think, I mean, we've got the perimeter guys to contest him. And I think we just, we have to take the chance on a guy like Justin Jackson beating us from the perimeter instead of a guy like Brett Johnson getting a dunk running down the middle of the court. Right, so they've uh, they've been a little bit better at, at handling the big to big double uh, the last couple times we've played them. But when you have a guy like Bryce Johnson being as dominant as he is, I, I feel like that double's coming every time he touches the ball. How we recover and rotate based off those doubles, I think, is going to be a a big key to the game. Uh, closing out on the shooters, obviously, uh, but you know I'm I'm a little worried about us on the boards against those guys as you know we haven't been as good and that's one department that the numbers just are very clear with the Gill Wilkins start starting those two guys our rebounding margin is down um, that was, that was going to be my next sorry if I could jump in but that was please. actually going to be that was going to be my second point and that we haven't been great I mean Gill and Wilkins have kind of been almost deficient at times on the defensive glass there's no question that that group Johnson Hicks and Meeks like Carolina is scary good on the offensive glass like they're picking up almost forty percent of their offensive rebounds in league games and so I mean I think we're just going to have to be crashing as hard as we can and it'll probably be a team effort to help those two guys out and I mean that's actually maybe one aspect will be better if Toby ends up playing more but. It'll anyway. It'll just have to be a team effort to try to keep those guys from getting second chances, because they're going to be crashing all game. Yeah, Daniel, why don't you chime in here? What are you What are you looking for uh, for us to to win this game comfortably? I mean, I think I think we've touched on the main points. Um, I was going to touch on the 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 way they've kind of exposed our um, double and post trap in the past couple of games, but again, that's that's been more of something that's happened early on and we've sort of figured it out. Um, even, I mean, in the game we lost, uh, I don't even, I don't really recall that being an issue as much as just Justin Jackson going off and us being kind of sluggish offensively. But um, no, I think this is one that I really like almost want to just throw everything else like analysis wise out the window and just, I, I really am confident in us playing first of all beating anybody at home um i think coming off of a loss and also having lost the game day game last year and um i think this team will be fired up um uh, i just uh, we tend to pl- to play very well against carolina at home too so i i think we're we're going to be ready and and really i think we're going to get a good performance but um but again i mean those 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 factors do are concerning. We can't just sort of show up and win, but um, I don't. I'm not as concerned about them on the glass. I think, I think we'll be okay when it comes to that. Um, I'm sure they'll get some offensive rebounds, but we're still a fundamentally good rebounding team. And I think at the end of the day, even with some physical advantages, as long as we just um, box out and put a body in a guy, we're a strong team. We'll, we can hold our own there. And then as long as we just keep a half court game and. And not do anything stupid. I mean, Tony Bennett's a better coach than Roy Williams. I have no doubt about that. I agree. Um, yep. So I, I just I don't see us allowing ourselves to lose this game, given how important it is and how much pride we'll have in it, um, and how much yeah how how much could be at stake in it. But I think they'll be fired up, and I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's gonna be really fun to watch. 
I think the atmosphere is just going to be incredible. I'm I'm very excited about going. Me too. Are oh, you going to be there, Charlie? I will be there. Excellent, excellent. We'll have to say hi. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this this I I expect us to do really well in large part just be because of the night. I um I was really with when I well when we thought Zay was going to be in and hopefully he will. You know, looking them for them to go inside out a lot. You know, after the post trap and. That's where, you know, is Marcus Page going to get hot? Uh, are those guys? And, and with our luck, one of those guys will get hot. But I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I, I think we're going to play well, and, and that'll carry us. Amen. Well, look, I mean, the last two losses, guys, it, you know, the, the Duke game, uh, we easily could have and, and should have won that game last night. You know, we, I thought we, we were pretty bad offensively in the first half. We allowed more transition activity in that game than we typically do. Uh, and Miami had their best three-point shooting game of their season. Uh, they had a guy that averages that shoots thirty percent, make four of five. I mean, uh, it was one of those games that. How does it always happen to us, though? It, I mean, it just happens. That's basketball. But the the bottom line is, you know, we still could have and should have won that game despite all that. Yeah. Despite us clearly not being at our best, uh, being on the road in in a building that no ACC team has won at this year. So. Uh, I'm far from panicking by any stretch. Um, you know, I, I think that this we have another long break before Saturday. Like, I, I think that this break in in the long run is going to be a blessing in, disgu- in disguise. I think it is. I think it hurt us. You know, I, I think that we, we came out a little flat and it was because of that break. And if if you look at I, I saw this tweeted the other night, I mentioned it earlier with Seth on the phone, but it, it kind of boggles my mind that I think four of our ACC losses uh, in the last three years have been after that one week break all in February. Um, so we have a little history of kind of coming out of these one week breaks a little, a little flat. Uh, but we have this, we have three tough games coming up. Then we have the ACC tournament. And I think if, if you put that all together, we're going to be back in our full playing shape and fresher when that damn tournament starts in March. And then that's what all of us, have our eyes on um and i think this team can still do some special things i'm hoping that ag eats his spinach and i'll let everybody else kind of throw in a little nugget before we sign off here uh, i'll start with you phony uh yeah i don't think anything that that happened in the miami game changes my view of the trajectory of this team of of what i think they can potentially do in the postseason look i don't think there's a big difference between one and two seeds this year there's there's been six number one seeds so far or six number one ranked teams so far so half the brackets are going to have two teams that have been ranked number one at some point in the season so for, from that respect there's there's not going to be any easy brackets you're not going to get a one seed and, and coast through it there's going to be some some of these other teams there's probably eight or 12 teams that are all in it for the championship right now so whether we fall to to a two to even a three that doesn't concern me much. I know if this team plays the games that they've they've played against the top twenty five competition this year, uh, that th- they can beat anybody. And uh, you know whether or not they'll do it, there's a lot of luck involved. There's there's a whole lot of things that uh, none of us can control. But uh, I I think they still have it in them, and and I'm looking forward to a really good postseason run. Chuck, let's hear some final thoughts from you. I think this team's set up to succeed, but I just. As great as Malcolm Brogdon has been over these next three regular season games to close things out, I'm going to be looking at everybody else because I think he needs help, and I think the help needs to step it up a little bit from where they've been even through the tail end of this winning streak. Like, Guys need to just 
not hesitate. They need to like, I'm just looking for, for London to be aggressive a little bit earlier in games. I'm looking hopefully for AG to get some shots up or I don't know, watch a movie, do something not related to basketball and just get his mind back in the right place. I mean, just, we need additional consistent scorers other than Malcolm Brogdon. I'm a little bit worried with how Malcolm dependent we've been over the last month, even when things have been going well, just because it hasn't always worked for us. And so I'm hoping somebody else gets back, steps it up because I really want to see this team validate the success they've had over recent years with a nice long run in March. Yeah. I think Malcolm could have scored 50 last night if he would have been more aggressive in the first half, but uh, what do you do? All right, Daniel, uh, let's hear some thoughts on you. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, this is this stretch. Um, what is it? February 23rd. We've got, really getting into the home stretch here. Um, this is what we all get excited about and what we're all, I mean, obviously the, the regular season is, is fun and everything, but um, this is where you start playing for championships. I think I said on this podcast a while ago that, that basically something like that, where like regular seasons are fun, but um, I'd, what I'm going to judge this team off of is what we do in the next couple of weeks or so. And I think this team is as prepared, if not, better prepared um, to make a run and really earn some hardware than, than our um, past couple teams, past couple of years. Um, the thing that, that I like the most is that we really have some legitimate options. Um, last year was such a fun season. We were so dominant. And then obviously things um, were derailed a bit with Justin's injury and we were still a very, very good team, but we, uh, we really weren't the threat that I think we are this year. Um, we were great defensively and sort of got by offensively. And I think we're just a lot more consistent this year. And um, again, there's, there's also um, just the theme of the season being that there's no, there are no elite teams like Kentucky or Duke or Wisconsin or Virginia from last year. So um, I think this team is really poised to make a run. I think it starts, it starts on Saturday. Um, obviously I think, my goals have always been ACC regular season, ACC tournament, and then obviously to win the whole damn thing. But um, regular season is, is kind of getting, might have slipped away from us the other night. We will we'll have to win out and get some help. If that doesn't happen, I, I sort of am buying into the storyline of, of winning, winning the ACC in D.C. Um, in what should be a pretty, pretty pro-Virginia crowd. Um, which would be pretty fun as well, and then sort of riding off on a on a hot streak into the into the NCAA tournament. Um, I think that that's what I something I could see this team doing. Um, sort of through all the ups and downs this year, I think as everybody says about sort of Izzo and Michigan State, it's all about peaking at the right time. And I think there's I've seen nothing from this team this year that that leads me leads me to believe that that's not um that that could so like couldn't be in front of them um i think they're every, all of the pieces are there basically um it's just really in terms of just getting putting them together and, and really just getting up and going with it hey man well that's why you tune in folks uh outstanding stuff from the round table guys uh really love talking basketball with you and really enjoyed having you on uh, you know, with that, I think we'll go ahead and sign off here. We're running a little late uh, with, with everything included. So for Phony Bennett, Charlie Saulwasser, Daniel O'Neill, we thank you guys so much for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Actually, uh, one, more, one more thing, one more thing. Yes, uh, sir. Car- Carolina sucks. <laughs>
<laughs> Amen. They sure do. All right, guys. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Tune in next week and uh, wahoo wah. <laughs>